Hello everyone, Xports here, and welcome back to GuchiCast, where today we'll be discussing episodes 3, 4, and 5 of Stone Ocean, including the Visitor Arc and Prisoner of Love. Once again, I am joined back with co-host Oceans. Hello, hello, folks. Good to have you. And also, guys, Oceans is so close to 100k, sitting at, what is it, 98,000 right now? 97,000, actually. 97,000, guys. If we could get Oceans to 100,000 subscribers by the end of GuchiCast, which is about by the end of the year... That would be phenomenal. So you guys should definitely go over to Ocean's channel, subscribe, makes anime manga videos, JoJo videos, Jujutsu Kaisen videos, Boku no Hero Academia videos. Okay, you might not want to subscribe for that, but you know, all, t- all <laughs> kinds of videos about anime and manga. So definitely head over there if you guys haven't already and you guys have been enjoying Ocean's company in episode one. Great guy, great fella. Thank you. Th- wow, I, I'm like just here getting all the stuff thrown at me. Thank you so much. Hey, you're, uh, if you have anything nice to say about me, now would be the time. I appreciate it as well. You know, a little bit of you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you are literally the guy who like got me more into making anime content. Like getting picked for Gucci Cast two years ago was <laughs> the thing for me. Getting picked. So getting, you know, damn. Getting picked you know in, the, damn in, well. in the Gucci Cast draft of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know damn well how much I like you and your content. Don't even front like that. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. So in the last episode, we shit on Stone Ocean. And today we are actually going to be very positive about Stone Ocean because this arc is actually very good. And it was handled very well in the anime where we have the the appearance of Jotaro, where in this episode we're going to be covering the Manhattan Transfer fight, uh, as well as kind of like the arc after Manhattan Transfer, which is called A uh, Prisoner of Love, where it has to do with Jolene kind of getting her father to the Speedwagon Foundation and all that. It was all handled extremely well in the anime, and these episodes were much more impressive than episodes one and two. Absolutely. Uh, this was, uh, and, and excuse the pun, a creamer. For sure. An absolute juicer creamer episode. Uh, yes. These were. And and also, guys, I know we I haven't seen the comments of episode one yet because we're recording in batches like the anime. But I already mm-hmm. know because I always get comments about it and everyone's going to be like, X-Force, you should have called it Poochie Cast. It's part six. It's got Poochie. Call it Poochie Cast. Guys, Gucci Cast was already a good name for part five, but because part six is the fashion references. So if, if any podcast is going to be called Gucci Cast, it should have been for part six. So no, I, we will not be calling it Poochie Cast because Gucci Cast just works even better. Okay? Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I really like the way Gucci Cast sort of also rolls off the tongue. Gucci Cast is nice too, but I'm glad we're back to like the original name. Like, uh, it has the seal of approval from me. <laughs> yeah, the Gucci Cast. Do you know the how it was? Do, do, do you know how this the series was named actually? Oh, no, actually, I don't. In the first episode, I was co hosting with my friend Sari, and uh, we literally it was called like the Golden Wind Podcast or some shit. And in like the end of the episode, I was like, Sari, just call it, just name it. Because we were at a point in an episode where it's like, and thank you guys for watching this episode of like whatever this is. And I was like, just name it. And she was like, uh, uh, she's she's german she was like uh gucci cast i was like okay gucci cast let's go <laughs> let's go and and that was the name for everyone so thank you sorry all right guys so thank episodes you. three four and five starting off with episode three so the first thing that happens is that we're coming off of the uh goo goo dolls arc which was which was just all right and we get a scene that when i was first watching the anime i had completely forgotten about i'm not sure if it took up less time in the manga or it was just something that my memory blinked on but it was the scene where jolene gave a prisoner a few dollars, maybe a few quarters or something to help her out to pay for a phone call. And then Gwes was like, Jolene, maybe it was Hermes that said it was like, Jolene, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to become like the bottom bitch. If you just let these girls stomp all over you, which kind of had like a, a very like orange is the new black vibe where Jolene had to like establish that she like actually will stick up for herself. And we had this whole like mini arc within this episode where Jolene has to go to the library and like use stone free to give some women a stomach ache so she can take up the toilet and then like extort these people when they need to go to the bathroom. So, um, when I was watching this, I was like, is this anime original content? I blinked out that hard, but, um, for whatever reason, I guess this wasn't that impactful in the manga, but I thought it was a really cool thing in the anime. I thought it was like, uh, way more impactful, I guess. Cause it's, I don't know. When I think back to the manga, I only think of stand battles. And this was mm-hmm. like a cool episode or a cool part of an episode where there's no, it's not a stand fight. It's literally just like prison drama, which, which I appreciated. Yeah. I, I, although I feel like there's at least one scene like this in every part where like it happens. And I'm like, what, this is a thing. 
Like even part five had a couple of those. Like uh, the scene where like Abaki and the gang beat up that one guy at the restaurant for no reason. I did not remember that from the manga whatsoever. Yeah, that was like never a meme before in the manga, or like, no, yeah. but in the, the anime did it so well with Abaki. Yeah, sip. Th- that's kind of just you know the nature of things. Like because in animation it's so much harder to like skip over things. You're forced to sort of spend time with everything equally. Yeah. And so these moments that in the manga you just kind of skim over because you're like, ugh, when's Poochie? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it really makes you sort of appreciate them more. Maybe I like exposed this- myself for being a speed reader because I didn't remember this part, but I don't think a lot oh, of people dude. did. I don't know. For some reason, this was like, I genuinely thought it was anime original. Dude, like, we got bills to pay. We reading like every second word at best. <laughs> like, we don't have that kind of time. Uh, and also the the first time I read Stone Ocean was in like 2016, so it's been a while. I think I've only reread it uh, once, maybe in like 2019 since then. Yeah, I mean, I think Stone Ocean for me is like my either my least reread part or my second least reread part. And when I say like full reread, I mean like genuinely going through and reading it as I would the first time. Like I've gone through it and skimmed through it for videos, but it's been a very long time since I've read it in its entirety. So, and I was like, I'll just wait for the anime. It's coming soon enough. Um, but Shortly after this, um, we're introduced to Emporio for the first time. Yeah, he sure gives like horror vibes to this prison. He at does. least to me in the manga, in the <laughs> anime. He does for sure. And we definitely have like more of that use of the camera's fisheye distorted lens where you have like, where you're able to see like Jolene in her cell as well as Emporio in the hallway where the camera's like bending and Emporio weirdly. And also, as I was watching this and I'm thinking about it now, how did Emporio know about Pucci's plan? Huh. Yeah. Because I was thinking about that as I was watching it. Because I remember Emporio, obviously, you know, Emporio, where he like warns Jolene. And I'm sure the comments, obviously, the comments know everything. So they'll know in the comments. But like, as I'm thinking about it, when Emporio's like, Jolene, don't go to the visit, even though the visit hasn't even happened yet. It's happening tomorrow. She's like, tomorrow, maybe it's the same day. I, no it's tomorrow it's tomorrow i have the manga panel right here okay yeah he's like tomorrow there will be a visitor don't go it will be terrible for not only your fate but for the fate of everyone and it's like how how do you know this how do you know that Pucci has this plan to lure how do you know it's going to be jotaro and how does he know that Pucci has this plan to steal jotaro's disc that's going to be just detrimental to the society and will eventually lead to like literally suggesting that it will lead to like Pucci's plan of heaven i mean i guess you could say emporio lives in the prison so he hears things but other than that, I don't I don't know how Emporio knows this. Yeah, now that you mention it, that is kind of weird. I guess it's just one of those things that I just accept because you know he's this he's the creepy, uh, you know, ghost slash not ghost uh, kid of the prison. Yeah, I'm he sure knows I'm sure it's explained at one point or another, but it can also be boiled down to that like, you know, he he literally he's a fly on the wall in the prison. He lives in the wall, so I'm sure he's like in the know of everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, Although I always find it really funny that Emporio is like, you know, secretly living in a prison, but he also just walks out and plays baseball. Sometimes. Like, he's yeah. he's very aware of his presence. They make that kind of like established in the manga where like he, he does go out of his way to hide from people. But Emporio is such an oddball character in part six where it's like literally just a kid that's lived in Green Dolphin his entire life. And he's just like, I don't know. This is such a weird character, like to be a part of a main cast than any other Jojo part. It's It very is like... Stephen King as core, like the way that yeah. this character like exists within the prison and like the early moments he has reaching yeah, out yeah. of garbage cans and grabbing people literally like, I think it was like implied that Emporio is supposed to be like a ghost when you're first introduced mm-hmm. to him. But then it's a, his stand makes ghosts and he's not a ghost. He's just a little kid. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for him to be the protagonist of part nine Jojo lands yeah. for sure. I, I hate how many people don't understand that that video's subtitles are, are fake. <laughs> I get <laughs> I get so many comments on my part nine videos of like discussing part nine and people are like, x Forwards, you're so dumb. Araki confirmed in an interview that Emporio is going to be the main Jojo for part nine. And I'm like, yeah. And I don't, I just, I, some of them, some of them are trolling, but some of them are, and it's so hard to tell who's trolling and who's just actually just brain dead. And mm. uh, that video frustrates me. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, <sighs> For context, so if people like, don't know what we're talking about, there's like a infamous video on YouTube where it's like an Iraqi interview with fake subtitles and like so many, genuinely so many people think it's real. It's like kind of annoying. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of, you know, 
JoJo fans for the longest time had like this huge boner for like spreading massive amounts of misinformation. And then also, you know, a lot of people like get newly into anime don't have yet this, uh, I get, I guess, skepticism towards everything because, you know, we know that the community loves to fabricate shit. Yeah. Uh, so it's all just a perfect storm of, ugh. Yeah, no, I, I hate that. It's the same with like the the couple of guys and, you know, like I'm sure people know who I mean. Uh, the couple of guys who every year when a new JoJo adaptation comes out, rename all their videos to like spoilers just for the fun of it. And it's just like, ugh, you fucking idiots. Why? I actually don't know what you're referring to. Oh, well, I'll tell you after we're off the air. Okay, but so that's not cool. But you know what is cool? What is cool? John Gallier's ass is pretty cool. Oh. This episode where he's he's in the shower, and by the way, this scene happens a little bit earlier than it did previously. Um, before we're like introduced to John Gallier in the shower, and then immediately thrown in the Manhattan Transfer arc. But now it's kind of introduced a little bit before, which I I love it. I love it when characters are introduced before their arcs. Like, show me stand users as early as possible. Show me a character like an arc before their arc. Like, I think that's cool when characters are just like, you know about their existence, but you don't really know what they're up. And then they come back later, but this is kind of not an example of that, but still cool that he's shown a little bit before um, Jolene even goes to visit Jotaro. Yeah. But in exchange for that, actually uh, they cut out a little bit of his introduction as I'm just looking at it. Yeah. So one thing is people were like, dude, I can't believe David pro like made his ass so big. And I'm like, dude, did you guys read the manga? Like his ass was just as big in the manga. Like it is, it's pretty faithfully adapted. And honestly, honestly might be a little bigger in the manga. It's a fucking humongous, but in exchange, we lost the scene of him observing the poker game and sort of like manipulating the wind currents there. Yeah. Which Uh, is, which is weird because they like, so we know he's blind. He has like cataracts in his eyes, which is like visible just by seeing him. And there's a, before it comes out and they say like, oh, this man's blind. Uh, there's this scene where he like puts his pants on backwards. And how would, how could you possibly put your pants on backwards and button them without knowing that they're on backwards? By being a Jojo character. By being a Jojo character. So they have the scene where the guys, the prison guards like, uh, by the way, man, your pants are on backwards. And it's like, oh, this is telling us that he's blind. Uh, but then they cut out the scene, which like gives us some foreshadowing to his ability, which I kind of liked where it's like, oh, he's doing something with the wind there. How's that going to come in? Just a little foreshadowing would be nice. But like a lot of the stuff that's cut from part six that is actually like good, um, that's also cut, which is kind of lame. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because they keep the scene of him like readjusting his shoe to catch uh, uh, to catch something. What is it like uh, to, to catch a bit of money? But uh, they don't they don't show the rest of the scene. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. Not, not the end of the world. Again, just nitpicking and and letting people aware of some of the things that were cut out, but getting further into it. So we have Jolene going towards her, uh, her, her, a visitation, which she was warned by, but she's so adamant that it's her mother and she really wants to see her mother that she denies Emporio's warnings and continues on anyways, but is also given Dio's bone, (laughs) which I forgot that that also happened this early. Wait, is it Dio's? I thought it's uh, Emporio's mom's bone. I think it's Dio's bone because it's the same bone that's used to make the green baby. No, the the green baby one is like a finger bone. No, that's like the one she's given is like a pelvis. Why would it be Emporio's mother's bone? Doesn't he say that that's uh, the bone of his mom that he kept because uh, she withered away after having her discs stolen? Why would Emporio give it to her then? As like a good luck charm. Isn't that what he literally says? I'm going to pull up that. I'm going to pull up. Yeah, you're right. It, no, it is not Dio's bone. Because, yeah, he gives it to her. And then, like, when they're being attacked by White Snake, she, like, you, the bone, like, wakes her up somehow. It, like, stabs her or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, wait, let me let me, let me, me pull this up, actually. No. Uh, what he says. That, that's how yeah. it is. That is right. Yeah, that melted bone belonged to my mother. Yeah, there you go. I can't believe. Did it melt, I, I did it melt in a fire? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, uh, Jotaro, I think in the anime says that it looks like, uh, the body was attached to was like, uh, acidified, which implies that Emporio like threw his mom into like a vat of acid. No, you know what that, you know what that might be? So it might be that Emporio's mother was killed by white snakes, like acid stomach ability. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, okay. may, and maybe if that would, 
if that were to happen again, it would have some sort of a reaction for some reason. So then Emporio gives it, Emporio knows all of this for some reason. <laughs> Emporio gives the bone to Jolene, knowing well that there's a possibility that she's going to be attacked by an acid stomach attack by White Snake. Um, again, mm. because he knows things. And then once that attack happens, I think it's like Jolene's gripping the bone so hard. It like yeah. cuts her hand or something. And that's what wakes her up. Mm-hmm. You know what? Now that I'm saying this out loud, this shit doesn't add up. <laughs> like what? Make a video <laughs> called the actual most confusing moment well, in I, JoJo. Well, since we're doing this in like podcast format, it's hard to have every single detail like in your short-term memory right yeah, now yeah so i'm kind of just like trying to go off memory and i'm pretty sure like that's kind of how it goes yeah emporio has the the foresight to predict that white snake may attack them and gives them this bone that for some reason would allow jolene to wake up from the dream hey he he lives in the prison he knows things fly on the wall yeah something that's like that. the, that's life um but now jotaro shows up but before, it's either like as Jotaro shows up, Jolene has like this weird flashback that I remember being very different in the manga where Jolene has like the, her super cool outfit from when she's like 14 is wearing like kiss makeup, which is pretty cool. She has like the star um, makeup on her eye and everything. And it's like such a weird scene where Jolene's like being incarcerated and her mom's on the phone like, Jotaro, you cannot be going to Tokyo right now, which made me wonder why was Jotaro going to Japan in whatever this would be like, 2006 maybe 2007 something like that um i'd like to see that spinoff story where was he going was he going to see yeah i mean i mean the implication is that he's like running around the world just killing stand users (laughs) oh yeah that is what he's doing he's wait is 2000 okay no polnareff's not alive anymore because he he used to do it with polnareff but then now he's just doing it solo yeah which that's kind of the thing. That's one of those things I want JoJo to do a spinoff on because that just sounds so rad. I would love some sort of JoJo spinoff. You know how like other mangas, people are like, skip the filler. I wish we had filler in JoJo. Like, I, I think we had this exact <laughs> conversation back two years ago. As well. I would love some filler. That would be fantastic. Like, give me eight filler episodes. I would not complain at all. Or a movie or something. But back to Stone Ocean, when Jolene finally gets to the prison. Back to, back to that flashback, it's so weird. There's like a man approaching Jolene. Where jo- First of all, J- Jolene's mother is on the phone. And like Jotaro's on the phone, not in the prison, on his way to Tokyo. But then like a man walks up to Jolene that looks like Jotaro. And she's like, oh my god, is it my dad? But no, it's Tompa from Hunter x Hunter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one is so, like, I guess it's meant to like symbolize how, you know, Whenever she thought she would see him and need him, he wasn't there. Yeah. But wow, that's a weird way of doing it. Uh, but Jotaro finally shows up. And his hat is massive. His hat is pretty big in certain scenes. There's a few in-between frames where if you pause it at the right time, his head is literally levels of uh, Oingo Boingo arc. Yeah, but honestly, <laughs> like Jotaro in part six has always looked kind of fucky to me. Like his entire design, it's drippy as hell, but it's also like... Dear God, you're like 40. <laughs> I, Why do you look like this? I, I kind of like it. I, this is probably my favorite outfit of Jotaro. Um, part five, I think he was like you know, a little a little too much white. Uh, part four was a little too much white as well. I like part three and six. Six, honestly, is the best, man. Come on, get out of here. The snakeskin pants? Are they? Oh, yeah, the snakeskin. Yeah, no, I do like that. I don't snake know. Snakeskin, so- alligator skin, something. He's dripped out. I, I just think it freaks me out that he looks younger. Despite being his oldest here. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, that's just how Araki does things. He gets, he gets, every party gets a little smaller. He gets a little younger. Star Platinum gets a little smaller as well. Although, funnily enough, Star Platinum is like tiny in the character designs, but in the actual episodes, he's like actually still pretty huge. Yeah, it's funny seeing him in part three. Like, it's like he gets more like tamed and human over time. Like in part three, Star Platinum's like a feral beast, like literally a creature. But (laughs) over time, he turns like more into like a human. Mm hmm. Which, I mean, I wonder what that says about Jotaro. But uh, that, that this is not an analysis video. This is just us shooting the shit. Yeah, so in this arc, Jolene is visited by Jotaro, and this is going to kick off the Manhattan Transfer arc, which is notorious for being a very complicated arc and being very confusing to first-time manga readers, which um, I'm not going to be the person that's like, oh, it's your fault. How do you not understand what's happening? Because genuinely, Manhattan Transfer in the manga is pretty illegible at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you get into like, um, 
no, actually it's just a dream state, but then like it's like you're in the dream within the dream. Cause you wake up from the dream state and you think you're in Jolene's dream, but no, you're actually in Jotaro's dream. Cause Jotaro w- woken up by a uh, Jolene, if you remember. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. originally you're in like Jolene's dream or something. And then you, you, you do the whole Manhattan transfer fight, but then Jotaro wakes up and it's like, Oh, you're actually, in. cause there's Jotaro dreams of Jolene waking him up. But then Jolene actually wakes him up in real life. Yeah, like, it's really fucky, especially because, like, I feel like, you know, oh, it was all a dream is one of those tropes that in a shonen battle manga is resolved much quicker than it is in this fight. Because usually, like, in a shonen battle manga, it's like... It's like six pages uh, or something. Yeah, like, oh, no, this this attack was a dream. Whereas here, it's like, yeah, this entire sequence, like, uh, from, uh, like, th- fifth, five or six chapters ago was all a dream and that's why it, i think that's why it feels so fucky that there's so much information you just have to basically throw out because but it's you know not real the the weirdest part of it is though is that like when jolene's dreaming and she wakes up she goes oh so that stand i fought i imagined it but then later it's like no literally i put my stand in your dream <laughs> it's like oh okay dude <laughs> like i literally in, injected like so not only was it White Snake's ability to put them in the comatose state, but White Snake was like, and then I allowed John Collier to use his stand inside the dream. And it's like, what the? How the fuck does that work? Okay, like, you- uh, he's he's like, I imported John Collier's uh, stand, which just confuses Jolene because like literally she knows she was dreaming, but then she's con- she has to continue to fight the stand in the real world. So she's she, she has no idea if she's still in a dream or not pretty much because she's still, although I think she's like, oh, she might come to the conclusion on her own. She's like, oh, so the stand was put into my dream, but I know this is real life now. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we're put into the dream sequence, so I just wanted to establish that in the manga, uh, it's pretty confusing because there's no like visual cues or audio cues or anything like that that let you know when you're when you're in the dream or when you're coming out. So um, and there's like that notorious massive panel where Rocky's like, um, if you're confused at all, here's everything that's going on right now. <laughs> it's like just a bunch of little icons and text of Rocky explaining how this arc totally worked. But in the anime, this this arc is a million times better animated. It works so well illustrating how Manhattan transfer works, how the stand moves, how it works off the wind currents, and as well as when we're actually entering and exiting the dream sequence. And there's also some stuff added, like the characters noticing that things are like a little bit off in the dream again, which for like first time viewers just adds to like them noticing that something's off a little bit and lets us know that maybe this isn't reality. So the anime just totally, totally killed that, that segment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, honestly, I think the most genius thing the anime did was to add uh, the white snake goo dripping into the room before the dream starts and then denoting every dream like transition with a droplet and like a specific uh, soundtrack being played after a droplet with like that high pitched uh, percussive um, like chime every time after it happens like that's. That's perfect. That's exactly how you're supposed to do something like that. It's perfect for first time viewers as well as anime view- or as well as people that have read the manga. Cause like when I saw mm-hmm. the drop, I'm like, and boom, we're in the dream. Like if you've read the manga, you know, the exact second you enter the dream, not only because you have the droplet, but be- also there's like a whole lighting shift. Like it's all brighter and everything's like washed out a little bit more. So you have like an entirely different color palette, the audio cue, the visual cue. And it's like, it's subtle. It's still subtle. It's not obvious. So they, they just, actually killed it mm-hmm. um and, yeah they really did it and the the added scene is when jolene is like oh my handcuffs are gone that's weird and that immediately if i was a first-time viewer i'd be like okay like there's a there's a there's something with a stand happening right now because jolene's yeah. handcuffs are gone and also jotaro jotaro might even say like it's like i'm in a dream or something because he's like the mm-hmm. cigarette brand it's different it, it's a different logo than it was before which again just alludes to more that like something within this room has changed Mm-hmm. but once yeah, we actually like, get into the fight with manhattan transfer um again i like how the stand is visualized how we actually get to see the thing move around in a 3d space and i like how the stand looks in 3d as well a lot of the stands or certain characters are done in 3d this time around mm-hmm. um but i genuinely like the 3d manhattan transfer yeah no it definitely i think it looks really cool because of two things Be- uh one because it's already sort of a three-dimensional shape Right, you have sort of this weird drone with like the four um, flaps and like the little hairs. Like I think that's a shape that already was kind of made to be animated, sort of in 3D CG. 
But I think what's better is that because it's a stand, if it looks a little wonky, you forgive it because it's like, yeah, this is literally not a physical thing. It is like, you know, a, a fi- an astral projection, basically. And so I, I feel like that's always much easier to sort of accept. It's the same sort of how um, the Kakani animation software, which like automatically produces frames of animation, which lo- usually looks a little wonky, was exclusively used in part five for um, King Crimson's time erasure, which is why everything in the time erasure world looks so weirdly fluid. You know, I like when they use the limitations of a technique to denote that it's like a separate space. I feel like that's such a cool way of working around those weaknesses. I really, really love that. And I'm glad to see it back in action. Yeah, it would have been like almost impossible to illustrate how Manhattan Transfer works in 2D as well because it moves mm-hmm. so fast and has so many quick jittery movements and just moving all around the frame. Not all around the frame, but within like, you know, detecting the wind currents. Like it's constantly moving directions and spinning. And it just like, it honestly looks good in 3D too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's also like, it's not a super detailed design. So there isn't much that 3D is going to like mess up. It's just a funny geometrical shape, which is exactly what 3D is good at doing. Yeah, and in the manga, like, the only times you see Manhattan Transfer, like, you see it illustrated in a panel, like, three or four times, maybe. But what I love about this is that, like, Manhattan Transfer is always on screen. When you have Jolene and Jotaro up against the wall, like, trying not to, like, move any of the winds or give away their position, like, you can see this thing reacting to the rain droplets and the smoke in the room and any sort of shift a guard might have, which, like, really adds to the suspense compared to the manga where we just have to, we just have to assume that the, the thing is in the room with them and it is dangerous in some way but like plus the characters don't know what this thing is doing and the whole time they're analyzing it like looking at their movements they're like well like okay it's moving like that it's dodging the rain current or the rain droplets and then they come to the conclusion that it's like you know works on um the wind so it was really good seeing the characters being able to look at the stand we see the stand and gives us like a better idea of how they determine what its ability is and while we're in the dream when they uh leave the um the room or whatever and they enter like that little tunnel that emporio made then it's like so clear that they're in a dream because like reality is just like bending and jolene's mm. like oh this uh this this is just a hole in the wall right here like yeah this shit is just not real yeah exactly they move like a pillar and they climb inside a vent and it's just like an under like an underground thing it definitely like managed to like tell you that it's a dream in a way that is like not super dumb obvious like, it still was intriguing. <laughs> I have it up right now. It actually is kind of, like, dumb obvious. The lighting is, like, bloomed out, and it is, like, super different lighting. But I guess if you know it's obvious, but if you don't, you just... It's obvious that something's up, which is good. Yeah, but the thing with JoJo, right, it, like, plays with color so much. If it goes bleak for a couple of scenes, you're like, oh, I guess we're doing something serious now. I suppose. Uh, yeah. I also love John Gallier's character and the way that like he ties back in part three, how it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this guy is like a lost follower of Dio who like was a follower of Dio in part three that we just never met and who is for 20 years trying to avenge Dio and kill the Joestar bloodline and is responsible for Jolene being arrested and in this whole conspiracy thing. It's just like, I like that. That was really good writing. And especially once we get the reveal later, that's like, not only was this guy conspiring to get Jolene to jail to get to Jotaro, but he was actually simply just a pawn being used by Poochie, which like gives Poochie this grand like villain-esque uh not even reveal because we don't see it's Poochie yet. We only know White Snake, which I also liked about part six as well, how it's like the villain for a while is just like mm-hmm. a sentient stand. Yeah. Although speaking of White Snake, did they cut his like reveal panel? Yes. When you so you have it where like he shows his fingers and then it shows yeah. his full face. It just shows his fingers this time, which I actually didn't mind. I don't know. I minded it because the next time we see him, it's just like Jodoro and Stop Time turns around and he's just like undramatically hanging on the wall. And no, I, felt like- I disagree. I think that's totally better. So before, like, so in, in the original manga, you see his hands and then you see like it's White Snake, and we know that, and then immediately we know that there's two abilities at work here. Mm-hmm. When before when it's just the hands it's just like a little bit of a hint and i love the reveal being that we get the reveal alongside jotaro where jotaro stops time and he's like wait it's two stands and he turns around and he sees white snake like completely who thought he had the jump on him and it's like that's when the audience has revealed the white snake as well when jotaro is i i thought it was better no i don't have a problem with like that being the point where it's revealed i think it's just too it's it kind of goes in with what i said last episode i think that a lot of things lack impact like Jotaro just turns around and we get like this still frame of like, you know, the colors are all washed out and there's just white snake on the wall. Like I wished 
okay. for it to be a bit more dramatic. Well, maybe you know? visually and audio, like audio base, it's a little bit like, but in terms of like how it's presented, just purely story wise, I like a little bit better. Yeah, it might not be as flashy, but I, I like the reveal then. I don't know. I, I like to like get a good look at our main villain when they like first make their move. Um, I don't know. It's just like I think of like uh, Killer Queen's introduction and the world and King Crimson. I feel like those have like such striking first appearances. Um, obviously, Killer Queen in the anime had a very striking first appearance for the wrong reasons. But um, still, like it feels like such a monumental thing for a main villain stand to appear that the fact that his first appearance in the anime is literally just, uh, you know, a, a very unimpressive still frame. Um, yeah, think, I'm not, I, I think you're bugging. I like it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> you know what? You invited me over here so I can bug in your mentions. So who is really at fault here? Yeah. I'm going to call you out on this bullshit. The white snake reveal was dope. You're off your rocker. Look, man, I'm about to throw this rocker at you if you don't agree with me. <laughs> so Manhattan transfer as a whole, what, what do you think about like how this stand works and the way that like the fight unfolds? Like it all takes place kind of like in the sewer underground, at least for the first half of the dream. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's pretty basic stand bullshit going on where you have to like outsmart the opponent and, you know, kind of predict their moves and everything. So I thought this was a kind of good introduction to like the first real stand fight in Jojo era mm -hmm. in, in part six compared to like what uh, Goo Goo Dolls is. I would, Jolene just kind of is able to like brute force her way out of it. This is more of like the mind game and you have Jotaro in there and like Jotaro approaches it very much like a part three fight. One thing I love about this fight is, you know, despite us uh, disagreeing earlier, I do actually love Whitesnake's involvement because one thing that has always sort of been cool to me about stand fights is that when you're so focused on like trying to outsmart one opponent, what happens when someone else ambushes you? And I really like that that's what ends up happening, that like Whitesnake manipulated the circumstances to a point where Jotaro had to make himself vulnerable. I, I really in, enjoy that inclusion. Um, as for the fight itself, I think it gets, for me, kind of gets carried by the concept of like John Gallier's ability, because I love, love the, the idea of a stand sniper. Um, I think it's one of the coolest ideas that Jojo can play with whenever it does, be it here with John Gallier or with um, Rigatoni in the uh golden heart golden something novel golden like heart, those golden are cool abilities yeah like those are cool abilities i i guess i kind of wish um i kind of wish the stuff in the dream wasn't a dream uh, yeah but I, I mean like it technically did happen i guess because that was really john gallier's stand which again is like the dumbest part of all of it how it's like, huh? yes, you're in a dream, but I also allowed my stand to go into the dream. So John Gallier, so like, what was John Gallier doing during the dream? Was he just like also put into the dream by Whitesnake or was he just like existing in the real world all while a projection of John Gallier was fighting in the dream? Yeah, because the way I interpreted it, especially now watching the anime, is that Whitesnake was just like, oh, I'm going to include what I know about Manhattan Transfer into the, the <laughs> yeah so, so think of it this way so we have john gallier in the men's ward like looking through a sniper scope so like was he really there in real life outside of the dream i think not i think he was like just on his way to the visitation room uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah probably I don't think, yeah i don't think i think pretty much the first time we see john gallier in the flesh in reality is when he walks up to like um hitman you know, sil sil out. silencer pistol shoots the guard yeah. Yeah, also, anytime guns are in JoJo, it's like the funniest shit. It I is don't know. dope. <laughs> I like it like, a lot. Like, in, in any shonen battle manga, any character that, like, counters shit with a gun, immediate goat. <laughs> it's badass. So, yeah, yeah. The, whole time, the, the whole sequence we see him in the clock tower, that's just Poochie's recollection of, uh, mm -hmm. of what John Gallier can do, I guess. I kind of wish the shower scene would be a dream as well, because then we could question why Poochie is thinking about his ass cheeks. Hey, maybe it was. Maybe that. Maybe that's how Pucci remembered him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe he doesn't even have ass cheeks like that. That's just like Pucci's enhancement. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but after um, the whole fight with that, so we have the sequence where like 
I know how it works, so don't tell me I'm wrong in the comments, but it's hard to like actually say it out loud and describe how it works. So it's, you're inside Jotaro's dream, but in Jotaro's dream, it's Jolene waking up. Jolene wakes up and then has to wake up her father. But that whole sequence through Jolene's perspective is Jotaro's dream of him dreaming that he is Jolene. Yes. <laughs> Put it that way. I think. And that and that is why this arc is like a little bit confusing. Because Jolene says, like, oh, just use your star platinum. And Jotaro's like, wait, bitch, you don't know what's you don't know what a star platinum is. Yeah. Like, have you been reading the wiki? Yeah. Like, what's up with that? And I guess moving on from that, I um God, yeah, go, going back to Whitesnake, I love his presence in part six. It's one of those other things that like I don't think about consciously because part six to me is such a like distant memory i guess yeah but as soon as like you know you get the scene where like the fingers come through the doors and then he shows up and just bodies jotaro it's like yeah one the fucking I'll... like the fucking zombie ghost of the prison one thing i want to mention around. about the manhattan transfer fight which is funny is when they're in the dream jolene's like i just saw john gallier he's here in this room and jotaro's like bitch are you crazy He's in the men's ward. There's no possible way he could ever get here. And it's like out of all Jotaro's experience with any stand, like how can he ever possibly determine that something's impossible? Like it's so dumb for so dumb for him to say like, Jolene, are you dumb? No one can possibly move that fast. Like, dude, you have the ability to stop time and you're like ruling out any possibility that this man could like teleport or simply is fast. Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a whole thing with JoJo is that, like, the moment you introduce a character from a previous part, all stand battles, like riddles, need should be solved in, like, two minutes. Because, like, someone who's been in Stardust Crusaders <laughs> should, like, look at a situation and be like, okay, this is this kind of stand. Let's do it. Uh, but then when they... They finally defeat Jean Gallier through means that don't mean anything because we're all in a dream, so they could have just, like, literally done anything. They could have done anything that wasn't even realistic because, again, we're in the dream. Uh, and then, like his body melts into a guard and then, you know, you get the whole thing where it's like, wait, none of this is real. This is not John Gallier. And then we get into the next episode, which brings mm -hmm. us into episode three. You mean four? Yeah. Four prisoner of love where we get the dream, the dreamception. And I do love the scene where Jotaro punches Jolene. Cause the only thing he can do is use a stand. The only thing uh -huh. they can, the only thing both of them can do is use their stand. So he like uses stone free as a projectile to blast Jolene towards the door. That's like one of my favorite moments of Jotaro in the part. It's just like yeah. a, it's just like a, it's smart, but also like dumbass at the same time. It's like the only, yeah. the, the only way I know how to solve this is by punching the shit out of you. Yeah, no, it's like this perfect, like meathead bullshit that like Jotaro is just the embodiment of. I also like how they're moving throughout the prison. Now Jotaro is like, okay, we need to take like, they do this a lot throughout it. It's like, we need to take a left turn and then a right turn and then get through this hallway. And then like, deal with these guards or something and they kind of have to plan out their route beforehand yeah but uh the funny thing is when he pulls out that map and he shows you the map in the manga it's like an actual map in the anime i swear to god it's just like squares and an ocean at one point yeah like, he's like we gotta go we get and then we gotta break through a window and then get to the beach to the submarine that's definitely sort of a, th a thing that um makes this section also interesting sort of this again this sort of this prison break uh feeling which is funny because this uh, prisoner of love section feels like it's being set up as like the big prison break. While I was watching it with the girlfriend, she sort of, while this was happening, she turned to me and she's like, I thought this part is in prison all the time. Why are they breaking out already? It's episode four. I'm like, just wait. Just give it a second. Jeez. I do like the prison break vibes. And it's funny that Jotaro is still failing a prison break, even though he can stop time and like <laughs> <laughs> uses it to trick guards and stuff. And he somehow is still fumbling his way through this well i mean the whole the thing with stopping time is also another thing that like me and the girl were sort of talking about what we were watching is like what wait why does he only stop time in these situations and not in others yeah he gets fatigued he gets easily he, he easily, I mean, he's a little sleepyhead he's 40 yeah his he's, bones <laughs> star platinum is deteriorating <laughs> yeah but the scene when the discs come out, it is very well animated. I honestly would have liked like a dramatic color shift or maybe some like extra detail or anything right there. But like um, colors are generally the same backgrounds of prison wall, but it does look really good when the discs are coming out. Jotaro said, I like how they like actually work like a physical uh, CD player. Like they, they move up a little bit and then to the left, they don't just slide out And the audio design for the, like all the discs in general 
is is like spot on. It's really good. And they also do like a surprisingly detailed amount of time, like showing us how the discs, like how they feel, how they react to the environment, how heavy they are, what they sound like, mm-hmm. what they sound like when they fall. So like you get a really good idea of how the discs work and they're like, I don't know, they're like rubber discs. Yeah. Also like another little additional, like uh, calling it animations may be a bit too too big, but like when uh, the discs come out, that as the discs come out, Jotaro's one eye like shifts to the, um, like white snake pattern. The white snake pattern. I believe that was in the manga as well. But yeah, yeah, sure. it does. Yeah, I know. But I, 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 think in the manga, I just got the idea that like, oh, his eye just like snaps and turns into that. But I like that in the anime, it's like you know, like a gradual wipe almost, like really like he's being overtaken by something for a second. I thought that's really cool. I'm watching the scene over the gun. The gun is in 3D as well. A little CGI gun. Which the yeah, shade, the shading on it looks a, li- a lot different from the uh, the background stands out a little bit. Yeah, and also the um, discs are, I believe, one hundred percent CG anytime they appear. No, no way. I think so. No, I'm calling cap on that. At least anytime they're like not in someone's hand, they are definitely CG. In someone's hand, might be a different issue. I think you get that because when they're like on the ground or when they're falling. They kind of mm-hmm. like have a 3D perspective where they'll be spinning or something. But if a character's just holding them, they're 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 2D dog. Let's let me fact check myself. I got it up. I'm fact checking right now. Yeah, but you don't have the animation eye, bro. I have, have it. I'm, I'm telling episode five. Um, Netflix tells you time remaining because it's dumb. Like like 14 minutes in, man. Them bitches are 2D. You haven't even finished the season yet, so I have I have more reference points than you as well. You haven't unlocked your Sakuga Sharingan. Like don't. I've, un- I've unlocked the third, fourth, and fifth eye when it comes to the JoJo animation. Okay, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm getting lied to live on motherfucker. You're right. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about the <laughs> How about the scene when John Gallier starts spinning around? <laughs> he, he unlocks the infinite spin with Stone Free. Uh, like uh, the the spin appears a part too early. Again, Looney Tunes energy. This guy has a gun pointed at them, and Jolene's like turns him into the Tasmanian devil. Whoa! <laughs> He's spinning out. <laughs> she also uses her strengths to deflect his bullets. Yeah, like not necessarily even deflect, just like they, they ride him. <laughs> they ride the threads, even though it's Light established rider. that the threads aren't actually that powerful and can actually like... And he snaps them. Ten seconds later, he grabs the threads and breaks them with his hands, but yet the bullets are able to ride on them with ease and it's able to... <laughs> No, you see, uh, because the threads are in inside the gun, the bullets are like following them from the start, so there is no point of impact. Actually, X Forts. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's just some bullshit. I just made up. Uh, Manhattan transfer is still. I do that. That's such a smart decision to make it three D because it's able to be in every scene. Like it's it's floating mm-hmm. around them and shit. Yeah, uh, it's just like it's just like a like a transparent video layer just flopped onto the image is really cool like that um but we're we're gagging a little bit here but the end of this episode episode five like obviously i knew what happened but they did such a good job at like having that emotional moment between jolene and jotaro i was like is jotaro gonna die is he okay i was like genuinely worried about him because like you get shot in the chest a bunch and then like also how does this work so once your memory and stand discs are removed you like you slowly fade out of consciousness, I guess. Mm-hmm. You yeah, kinda... you get like a couple of grace seconds, and then that's it, coma. Um, yeah, so I was I was actually like tearing up during this, which I didn't think I was was capable. I didn't think Stone Ocean, at least the first twelve episodes, were gonna be like have any emotional, emotional investment at all. But I was like, damn, bro, Jotaro is gonna die. No. <laughs> And Jolene yeah. having to like carry him, like with the sound design and the voice acting, like it all actually worked super well. Yeah, like the thing is, uh, I didn't remember that this is so emotional, especially the all. part when Jotaro is underwater, like he's just like has yeah. no will to live, like he's actually just dead. Yeah, like because the thing is, the way they do it, like she turns around, the music stops, and it does like you know the sad death theme. It like reminded me a lot of like Narancha and um, Abakio from from part five because they adapted it kind of similarly we're like the oh, sun no. is shining on jolene's face and you have like the lights exactly like when abakio died yeah like the beaches really are just traumatic for jojo aren't they yeah i think that's the whole theme of distant dreamer it's like yeah pretty and sad 
And she's yeah. trying to like resuscitate him. Also, there's a scene, an another scene that's just removed is when Jolene uses Stone Free to like not get shot. One of the guards tries to shoot her and she steals the shotgun or like redirects the bullet with Stone Free, but now they just show up and don't shoot her. Oh, yeah, right. I, okay, I, I guess, I'm looking at it right now. I guess just like less motion to animate. It's good in a lot of aspects, but it also is just cutting shit that could be animated that would take like extra time. Like that, mm -hmm. like, like that, for example, like it's not for pacing. It would have, it would have been a five second thing to animate. Like the guard shoots her and she redirects it with stone free. Like that's it. But they just, yeah. there's just less motion and less movement. I'm sure someone in the comments would be like, well, actually X words, uh, they didn't shoot her for this reason because this story beat or whatever, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe swearing uh, on, on the Gucci cast. Yeah. Why? Exports? I mean, you no. get you get what I'm saying, though. It's just like, why not? Like it was in the original. Yeah. Like, like, uh, but as I said uh, a few times now, like I really think that this adaptation is one of those where, like, it was either going to happen compromise or it wasn't going to happen. Uh, like there are just to so many things behind the scenes that came together to make this very difficult on DP. In an ideal world, everything would get the adaptation it deserves, but things don't exist in a vacuum, right? Like we as fans really shouldn't have to worry about these things, but we, as the same as the animators and production people, live in reality, and there just are factors that it's hard to like uh, put the blame on anyone specifically. It really just is the way it is, right? Like um, the anime industry has been fucked for the last ten years, and this year, especially with COVID, has just been sort of the uh, breaking point for a lot of studios. So, yeah, ideally, the finale of a beloved TV series like JoJo would get a premium, absolutely bonkers, creamy treatment. But in reality, it was either going to be made with compromises or it might have gotten, like, shelved for a long time until the uh, conditions were better. Or maybe it could have even moved studios, honestly. Like, you never know with the anime industry these days. Like, you think you have a series that is completely owned and, like, associated with one studio and then you know the industry just swipes the property into some other studio uh like it, what, what happened with attack on titan right where it looked like which studio was the guy the people to make it and then you know things happened which wasn't capable or wasn't prepared to do the final season and it went to the only studio that's willing to um to do the things necessary at all costs to make an anime happen, which is MAPPA. So, you know, it is what it is. Are, I, you, saying, I, are you saying JoJo would switch studios? Uh, it could have. No honestly, way, no way. It jo and I, I feel like if, if JoJo, if David Production decided they didn't want to do JoJo, it just wouldn't happen anymore. Like, no way another studio would take that up. Or it just, just wouldn't feel the same, because it's just like, could you imagine, like, I mean, JoJo by MAPPA might look, it would look good, but I don't know if it would, like, feel the same. Obviously oh no, not. Jojo by Mappa would like suck ass. You think? Yes, because the thing with Mappa is that things look good if Mappa manages to essentially get a guy on the team with like a lot of friends who are willing to work overtime with no extra pay. That's how Jutsu Kaisen came about. The average Mappa series is not going to look that good. Um, and again, you know, Mappa is the studio that's like arguably the worst when it comes to like exploiting the current anime situation. So, you know, it's it could have looked good in 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 places basically. It would have been a more standard shonen adaptation, but I agree that it would have definitely lost sort of the spirit of David Pro, which I think is what also keeps Stone Ocean sort of afloat, right? Like yeah. we talked uh, earlier sort of uh, or in the other episode sort of about, you know, the family feel and sort of this festival atmosphere. That would have been absolutely not there if this was like a Mappa or any other studio. Like this I agree that JoJo should always be with David Pro, but the reality is that um, with the way the world currently is, it could have switched studios if things would have aligned worse. It could have even just not happened. Like, uh, obviously, we as fans emotionally think, obviously, JoJo Part 6 should happen. It should be David Pro, and it should be fantastic. But, you know, the, the people who make these decisions are usually not the people who are very emotionally invested in it. You know, at executive meetings, they're not discussing the 
uh, brilliance of how Stone Ocean should be animated, they're discussing, okay, we need three anime to break this amount of profit margin this year. How do we do it? So, you know. You make a lot of assumptions. I don't know. I'm <laughs> making assumptions based on what I know of the industry. Well, get what this. Get this. Did you know Emporio's mom was a stand user? No way. What? Is that revealed in part 10? I remember knowing this because Emporio's a natural born stand user. So his mom was a stand user. And also he says at, at the end of episode five, he says, yes, the corpse did belong to his mother. Mm-hmm. He says that bone melted. Fuck. He says it somewhere. He says that sludge stole her ability. And that's why she died because she got her um, stand disc and assumingly memory disc taken by White Snake as well. Okay. Damn. And then he grew up within the walls. Emporio. So yeah. this episode ends with White Snake actually like talking to John Gallier, and it kind mm-hmm. of and it's like that reveal of that um, that really puts into perspective like that you know Pucci is the HBIC right here because he has like the whole plan with John Gallier and like you think that throughout this whole arc that John Gallier is the guy in charge he's the the villain that put Jolene in jail and even Jotaro thinks that as well but then Pucci's like the plan is so elaborate when you really think about what Pucci's doing here. Like mm-hmm. finding this this guy who he, who was actually like a common friend with maybe he killed John Gallier out of jealousy because John Gallier did say like he looked up to Dio and like admired him so much and Pucci's like no bitch he's mine and then he killed him mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why he killed him <laughs> but like you you think they might like s- stick around or like have something in common because they were both like followers of Dio Pucci more so like a friend of Dio than a follower but he just he just caps him shoots him in the yeah. Head. I mean, the thing with Dio's followers is that in a way they, they're always referred to as like a group, but in a lot of ways, they're just like singular people that at different points in time wanted to fuck Dio. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Like it's literally <laughs> just you walking up to people saying, Hey, am I hot? And they're like, yeah, sure. And he's like, okay, how about you go fight these people for me? Okay. Like that's like, and that's why I'm not super surprised that he like caps them here. Cause they, it, it really feels like Dio's followers are just sort of. They don't exist in a well, group. They exist parallel to each other. He does it also kind of to like save his own skin because there was like a bunch of guards killed. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't remember Jotaro killing any guards. So I guess the guards were killed by Manhattan transfer or something. I guess. Maybe Jolene knocked a few of them out. But yeah, he was like, and also to protect his own identity or something. He was like, John Gallier, you're the only person who knows who I am. So I'm going to kill you. I'm going to make your death look like a suicide. So I guess the story is that John Gallier just went insane, killed a bunch of guards, and then killed himself. And Pucci was like, this plan is foolproof. This is perfect. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, I'd be surprised that stand users have to fear, like, legal repercussions at all. Because, like, literally no one sees what the fuck's happening aside from other stand users. Anyone walks in on this fight, it's just a bunch of people bleeding randomly. Unless the cop is also a stand user. Oh. (laughs) He says, your your honor, he's a stand user. (laughs) I saw Your it. Honor. <laughs> and Your then the honor. judge, the judge is also a stand user and he can see him as well. Oh, so am I hearing that we're getting like a um, law and order styled part 11? Dude, that'd be so sick if it was like a leak to the public that stands were real. And it was like some somehow there was like <clears throat> proof of them. Although I'm sure there's like if you really break down Jojo, there's proof of them like all over the place. But mm-hmm. That'd be a funny story be if stands became like public knowledge. Yeah, I mean, that'd be heat. Honestly, like JoJo's world is one of those things where like you can drop any kind of idea into it and it will be kind of funny or at least interesting. Jo- like, there, uh, there, there is no world in JoJo. We exist in small microcosms. I guess. But still, like just creating that microcosm around any concept, I feel like you can make it interesting in JoJo. Like... Fuck, part seven's about horse racing. And that shit rocks. Although, I guess it's not really about horse racing. But you know what I mean. Uh, One thing I forgot about Whitesnake, though, is that, like, Whitesnake is sentient. It's not Poochie. And when Poochie talks to Whitesnake later on, he'll say things like... So you know how it's common that, like, stand users can see through their stands, or they can just, like... The stand is the extension of themselves. Um, I feel like Poochie definitely uses Whitesnake at some point like that, or it's just kind of inconsistent. But I swear at one point, he's like, he's like, White Snake, what can you see? Tell me what you see. He's like, bro, it's your stand. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, or he, like, or he, he like, he tells White Snake how to behave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's actually really cool. I am obviously as 
Diablo, Diablo stand number one. I'm a big fan of like stands distinguishing themselves from the user. Um, I don't even remember. It was King Crimson like that as well. Uh, more so in the anime than in the manga, really. Because in the anime, like especially compared to Dopio, like King Crimson feels almost like a different being. Um, and I definitely enjoyed with White Snake here as well. Like where it's like, as I said, I think earlier, White Snake almost feels like the stalking ghost spirit something of the jail. Yeah, and that's, that's such a cool it. like idea, like for uh, like a prison themed story where you just have this unknowable evil entity that's just like around, and because it's a stand, it can appear basically anywhere. But also remember that Poochie has like it's only like a twenty meter range, so like every time we see White Snake, Poochie is like around the corner, just Poochie's like, like hanging out. Like, yeah, he's su- he's super close. <laughs> I think that concludes episode five, though. I mean, pretty much. The- like visitor arc was was sick manhattan transfer was sick the reveal with like these these three or yeah these three episodes visitor one and two and uh prisoner of love like highlighted the season it until like episode 12 episode 12 was really good which you should watch soon um but these these three were banners seeing jotaro back and it's like it sucks that jotaro is gone for a really long time after this yeah because the thing is a long time when I first read part six and it was like, oh yeah, it's Jodor interacting with his daughter. I was like, yeah, that's sick. Let, let's get some of that. And then like this happened. I'm like, oh, I mean, Arabi. I definitely wouldn't want Jotaro to fulfill like a Joseph role mm-hmm. where he's kind of like a mentor because like it would have to, first of all, it wouldn't make any sense because they're in a female prison. Like what is Jotaro going to go to jail and like interact with them through like the men's ward or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I think this is like the perfect way to bring Jotaro into the story, like attempt a prison break and then he gets ill and it, it all part six is part six is pretty damn good, man. When you like think about it in the way that like Araki set it up, how, you know, you needed Jotaro's memories to, I also think about this. So you know how he took the memories to get the memories of Dio's diary? What if Jotaro just like forgot? Cause it was 20 years ago. <laughs> and he, he looked, he looked in the diary for like a second and said like, what the fuck is this shit? And then he burned it. <laughs> it's like, what if he, Poochie set up all this shit for 20 years to get the memories. And then he's like, he forgot. No. Like, actually that's even funnier because uh, you've not read over heaven, right? No. Which is like supposed to be Dio's diary. Dio's diary is like 90% him describing how his dad beats his mom and how cool that is. Like Jodo just looks looks at it and is like, what the fuck? Yeah, he he really glanced at the diary, and I guess the memory disc is like maybe not anything you can actively remember, but just everything in your brain it has access to. But I think that'd be funny if he he just for for gore. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm gonna read you a passage from Over Heaven right now. Um, Every day she told him to stop stealing. Every day he would beat her until she would stop saying it. I watched him. He was strong, stylish, and cool. Like that's badass. That's That's badass, Dio. Yeah, like Dario Brando, the single most badass guy, because he beats his wife and is drunk all the time. Well, Dio hates women, so. I mean, for hating them, he sure got to, uh, you know, town with a lot of them, as we'll find out later in the part. That was him trying to suppress his homosexual urges. It was him trying to I mean, find an, an, any way to not accept that he loves men. So he just had yeah. sex with a bunch of women, but he didn't enjoy it. Shout out to the funniest scene in part three when Avdol meets Dio and has gay thoughts and responds to it by running away and screaming. Oh, yeah, when he had his Medusa hair. Yeah, and Abdul's like, every word he spoke calmed my heart, and I felt attracted to him. And then the next shot is him just running and screaming. And then he pulled his penis out. Uh, his translucent <laughs> alabaster skin felt oh, cold. That is, that, is, that is Dio's underrated design, him with his Medusa hair. That would have been badass if we had like a whole fight with him like that. At least snake honestly, hair. Honestly, I, one of my favorite Dio designs, unironically, is just Shadow Dio. Shadow Dio is good too. Yeah, because I feel like his part three, like final outfit, is I don't know, like it is very iconic, obviously, but something about it just doesn't work for me. I can't even really put a finger on it because I guess I'm just a, I'm just a cuck like that. Yes, you are. I'm, dude. The batch re- of so this batch release was pretty calm, but like imagine the chaos of the last batch release, where it's like oh, we're like, you need to start on episode whatever it's going to be like. 
28 or something, but you know that that same day that like the end has already happened. Like you could just watch the end if you wanted to, but like you have to like restrain yourself and watch in order. Like the, this batch release was pretty calm, pretty chill. Just watched it, had a good time. The last one is going to be chaotic as fuck. Cause it's going to be like, okay, I know that made in heaven is going to be in the opening, but I have to wait five hours before I get there. I have to watch the yeah. other episodes first. Honestly, on the day when the final batch releases to anyone who's like anime only, uh, just fucking delete all social media. Yeah, it's just going to be posted day one of the opening and all that. Dude, f- five seconds after the episodes air, some idiot is going to like go into the final episode, get a screen <laughs> cap of something spoilery, be like, oh my God, you know. Oh, it's going to be chaos. The last it's batch. So the chaos. last batch. Dude. I cannot wait for like the absolute hot takes on Stone Ocean's ending. It's going to be so much fun. Well, the same thing we say about part five and all that, but like that when it comes to the anime, they just do it right, I guess. So like we said that like, oh, people are, I wonder if people are going to like part five when it gets animated. Yes, they fucking loved it. It's like everyone's favorite part now and everyone hated part six, but now that part six is animated, everyone loves it. And I'm sure when it ends, everyone's going to love the ending too. Or David pro is going to like portray it in a really good job. So like, I'm just convinced people will just love the newest animated part. Like it's just how things go. Yeah. But honestly, I feel like that's the way it should be. Like I really like that with Jojo, Whenever something gets adapted, it almost immediately washes away most negativity around it. <laughs> Literally, like two years ago, dude, people hated part six, like genuinely didn't like it. And like for literally no reason. Well, for some reasons, but not very good reasons. But now that's animated, of course, like it's everyone loves it as they should because it's a good ass part. Yeah, I mean, Araki writes good things generally. Generally. Generally, yeah. I mean, and he endorses okay things sometimes. Never. <laughs> zero for zero. Uh, I think that's th- I think that's good for this episode though, covering yeah. those uh, three episodes and some other bullshit on top of it. Um, sorry guys, this is gonna be Gucci Cast episode two, and in the next episode we're gonna be getting into some other main cast members like Foo Fighters, Ermes, and all those characters that we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.